It was parent-teacher interview night of my grade 12 year. I was jazzed. I know that's an uncommon feeling about this event, but I really loved the idea of people talking about me. Positive, negative, who cares? It was attention. Oh, I was truly my grandmother's grandson. I was always eager to hear what my teachers would say about me to my parents. But I'm not sure why I was so eager. My teachers would just say the exact same things they always said about me. Very smart, is doing okay in class. However, and it was a big however, he spends too much time talking and doesn't apply himself. Before my parents headed off to meet with my teachers, I showed them the student council office, where I'd spent most of my time that year when I should have been in class. It was a small, glassed-in office in the lobby of the school, like a fishbowl. They were standing in the doorway as I was bragging and showing them photos from a recent pep rally performance. Mid-sentence, I saw my dad's face suddenly change. From moderately proud father of a bright student not living up to his potential, to a look of rage I'd seen only a few times before. It looked like he'd seen something behind me. I looked to see what it was that had elicited such a strong reaction from him. An alarm started blaring in my head. Red lights flashing. My heart raced. Oh no! How had I forgotten to take them down? My dad pushed past me and ripped a neon orange poster from the wall. My mom, sensing how mad he was and wanting to contain it, closed the door and told him to calm down in that whisper yell that only moms can really do. Just as the words escaped her lips, he thrust the poster into her hand, and as she scanned the content, her facial expression began to look more and more like my dad's. Now I was stuck here in this fishbowl with two angry sharks. But I bet you're wondering what the chum in the water was that had gotten them so riled up. Well, on that poster were details about a massive house party happening the following weekend. In big bold font at the top read the words, All are welcome. But the best part? They had our address on them. That's right. I had put up posters at school advertising a party I would be having. The following week, my parents would be going away on vacation. This was the first real vacation they'd ever taken. My dad often explained that it was thanks to me that they hadn't, because I was always, quote, sucking the money out of them. This was a fact he really did not enjoy, but a phrase he really did. Being 17, I'd be staying home, left alone for the first time. Well, alone with my grandma, that was. Safe to say, as they went to hear the tales of my mediocrity and squandered potential from my teachers, I ran around the school taking down the posters that adorned the halls, praying that I'd gotten them all. My parents kept up a smiling facade, until we got to the car, that is. 
The whole 30 minute ride home, my mom kept taking these long centering breaths, trying to calm herself down. Meanwhile, my dad was in the passenger seat staring unblinkingly at the poster in his hands and loudly muttering, not gonna ruin my damn vacation, I'll tell you that. When we walked in the door, my dad yelled for my grandmother. I believe his exact words were, get down here, you're not gonna believe what he's done now. We all assembled in the living room. My dad just paced back and forth, angrily crumpling and then smoothing out the poster again and again. I flopped on the couch. My grandma sat in a recliner, but not reclined, just perched on the edge in case she needed to make a speedy escape. Well, speedy for her at least. My dad thrust the poster into her hands now. She gave it a read and looked at me wide-eyed seemingly in disbelief that I had done this. My mom sat down next to me, likely thinking this would be a good position from which to intervene should my father lunge at me. My dad wasn't usually much of a lunger, but it wasn't every day you happen upon a posted advertisement for an all-are-welcome party at your house, which is scheduled for a date when you won't even be in the country. My dad read me the riot act, how dare I plan something like this without his permission? How dare I advertise? How dare I blah blah blah? He went on to inform me that I was to have not one person over while they were away. Not one. Nor was I to go to anyone else's house either, or anywhere for that matter. I was grounded, potentially forever. I thought to myself, who cares about being grounded? They'll be gone anyways, so I can do whatever I want. And when they get back, they'll be so relaxed from their vacation that they'll just move on. A pretty cavalier attitude from someone currently being yelled at. Almost as if he could sense my realization that this would be an unsupervised grounding, he pivoted quickly and looked at my grandmother telling her she was in charge and that I was not to have even one person over. My grandmother gave him uncharacteristic agreement. She seemed almost obedient in that moment. My dad then swung back around to me, volume increasing once again, and reminded me that they had never been on a real vacation and that it was my fault. Now, finally in full voice, he said, you're not gonna ruin my damn vacation, I'll tell you that! As if he'd been rehearsing this line in his prior muttering in the car and had now added it like the cherry on top of his diatribe. Ugh. Now not only was my party not happening, but I was also gonna be on lockdown with my grandmother policing my activity. I was bummed. Over the next few days, as I worked to spread the word that the party was canceled, my parents prepared for their trip. Dinner on every single one of those nights included several very terse reminders that while they were gone, I was to have no one over and was not to leave the house except to go to school. Finally, the day of my parents' departure arrived. My grandmother and I gathered to say goodbye to them at the front door. 
We waved goodbye as they pulled out of the driveway. Then I grumpily turned and walked toward the kitchen to get a snack. As I did, my grandmother closed the front door, and then called after me, saying, You're still having that party, and I'm gonna help you do it. Welcome to From Grandma with Shade, a podcast where I pay tribute to my outrageous and often problematic grandmother by sharing first and secondhand stories about her life. Although she would have loved the idea of a podcast about her, once I explained to her what a podcast was, she probably would not have really appreciated the stories that I've chosen to share with you. The stories are real, though they have been embellished over time in the way that happens when a story is told many times over many, many years. It was 7 p.m., and, like any normal teenager preparing to host a raging party, I was draping streamers across the living room and dining room and accenting them with balloons. I put out all the snacks and beverages that I had bought with the money my parents had left me. Money they intended for me to use if I wanted to order a pizza or go to Blockbuster to rent a movie. Certainly not so I could buy a very large quantity of chips and pop for the throngs of underage drinkers who would soon be partying in their house. While I was setting up, my grandmother was upstairs preparing her signature fruit cocktail. I had told her that I didn't really think that my friends would be interested in chowing down on fruit at the party. But every time she made this for a party, it was very popular. People would take cup after cup of it. I went upstairs and carried the giant punch bowl full of fruit floating in sparkling liquid downstairs and added it to the spread of junk food. Somehow, the large crystal punch bowl looked a bit out of place, but oh well. My grandma was being so good about all of this, I'd just put it out and people would surely just ignore it. As people were about to arrive, around 9 p.m., my grandmother and I went over the ground rules again. There weren't many of them. In fact, each of us only had one. My grandmother's only rule was that no one was allowed to come upstairs to her place. To ensure this, I placed a pylon on the stairs with a big note on it that read, Keep Out! My one rule was that my grandma was to stay upstairs. She was absolutely under no circumstances allowed to come downstairs and crash the party. Following this reaffirmation of the rules, my grandmother retreated upstairs, and my friends began to arrive. For the next hour, I was greeting people at the door, making them take off their shoes, telling them that smoking was to only happen outside, and, most importantly, telling them not to go upstairs at all, no matter what. I was mingling, and trying to ensure my party lived up to all those great movie house party standards. This was my very own Can't Hardly Wait. It had to be amazing. 
things seemed to be going well. People were drinking and having fun, bopping along to the hits of the day. The Boy is Mine, Ray of Light, Pretty Fly for a White Guy, you get the gist. But just as I was refilling chip bowls and began a very small internal celebration of how cool I was hosting this party, someone came running over to me in a panic and said, There's an old woman in your house! I immediately chastised them, saying I told everyone not to go upstairs and rushed toward the stairs to ensure no one else had gone up there. My classmate yelled after me, something I couldn't hear over all the noise, and just as I turned into the front hall, I saw her. Grandma was on the loose. It was only an hour into the party and she had already broken the only rule she needed to follow. As I approached, she didn't even notice me. She was talking to a couple of drunk teenagers about how much she hated the entryway tile in our house. Too shiny, she complained. As I hurried her back upstairs, as much as one can hurry an old person upstairs, she informed me that the party was so boring and wondered if I needed help spicing it up. I mean, it sounded like people were talking about tiles, she said as if I was unaware it was her who was. Once I got her back upstairs and reminded her of my one and only rule, I headed back down to rejoin the festivities. Flash forward to about 11.30pm. The party was really getting good now. Probably about 50 teenagers in the house drinking and some more on the back porch smoking weed. Around midnight, one of my closest female friends told me she needed to use the bathroom and that both of the available bathrooms were occupied. I told her that she, and she alone, could go up to my grandma's apartment and use her bathroom. I told her to just say hello to grandma and be quick. She wouldn't mind. As I said this, I suddenly had a drunken remembrance. I'd said this to a few of my female friends already, hadn't I? Oh no, I'd sent them into the lion's den and had broken the rule about no one going up there. I ran upstairs. I could hear laughter coming from my grandma's bedroom. Oh god, it was the laughter of several people. I tentatively peeked my head into my grandmother's bedroom and there she was, sitting on the edge of her bed with several of my female classmates gathered around her on the floor in a semicircle, listening attentively. She was holding court. As I tuned into what she was saying, I realized my grandmother was giving these teenage girls advice. I'd gotten the piece of advice she was currently sharing several times before from her. You marry the first time for love and every other time for money. One of the girls in her audience asked, But shouldn't it be the other way around? Shouldn't I get the money first and then find love after? It was in this moment that I realized that these girls weren't just dismissing her advice as they should be. Sure, you could find it funny, but dear God, don't listen to her for real. My grandmother then very plainly explained to them, no, no, you marry the first time for love because it doesn't last anyway. So you just get that out of the way and then you focus on the money. The things you buy with money, those last forever. Her audience of impressionable young women laughed. But I could tell a couple of them were taking mental notes. I stood there in the doorway trying to figure out what to say to break this up while still seeming very laid back and cool. 
I didn't need my grandmother hanging out with my friends like this. These were my friends. She was such an attention hog. Just as I'd worked up the nerve to break it up, my grandmother leaned in really close and in a near whisper said, What you're looking for is a rich old man with a weak heart and one foot on a banana peel. I couldn't take it anymore and broke up the party. My friends were not pleased with me and wanted to stay and hang out with her more. As they begrudgingly went back downstairs, I reminded my grandmother of her own rule. No one was to come up there. They came to me, she protested. Said that you sent them, so I figured you wanted me to keep them entertained. I assured her that I'd be sending no one else up to use her bathroom and that I didn't want her coming downstairs again either. With that, I went back downstairs to the party. People seemed much drunker than they had only 15 minutes earlier when I'd gone upstairs. I went to go see if the chips needed replenishing as perhaps people needed some food to soak up the alcohol. Imagine how surprised I was when I walk into the dining room and see people passing around the giant punch bowl of fruit cocktail, each swigging from it and passing it on. Oh lord, had someone spiked the fruit cocktail? I inserted myself into the next position in line and took a swig myself. Whoa! This was like entirely booze! I was already a bit tipsy, so it took me a second to realize that this was the reason why my grandmother always emphasized the word cocktail when she talked about it. I blurted out, what's in this? To which one of my more worldly friends looked at me and said, Tastes like peach schnapps and champagne to me. FYI, that friend was totally right. When I years later asked my grandmother for the recipe, she said, and I quote, A bunch of fruit, doesn't matter what kind, then an entire bottle of peach schnapps, and finally you fill the bowl the rest of the way with champagne. Well, things were certainly getting raucous now. Between the fruit cocktail and the overwhelming smell of weed which had clearly made its way inside now, it was clear that people were having a good time. Had I pulled it off? Was I a cool person having a cool party? Sure, as I walked around I overheard a number of conversations about how cool my grandma was and how great her advice was. But who cared what the reason was, people were having fun. By 2 a.m., I was getting tired. I'd spent a lot of time running around, putting coasters under drinks, re-warning people not to go upstairs, and popping my head into different rooms to see if anyone needed any snacks or anything. It was around this time that someone ran up to me and said, There's an old woman in your house! They must have been really wasted, because it was the same person who'd reported this to me before, even though in the previous instance, I'd informed him it was my grandmother. Oh, not again, I replied, again explaining that it was my grandma as I headed off to find her and send her back upstairs. Again, I found her in the front hall. She saw me and beckoned me over. She informed me that the police had phoned. Instantly, my friends in the vicinity began to panic people started looking for their shoes and coats to get out of there before the police arrived. By this point, there were about 70 underage kids drunk in her house, but my grandmother yelled out, 
Don't worry. I covered for you. The police are not coming. People cheered. Drunk teenagers cheered for my grandmother. There she went again, stealing my thunder. I walked my grandma back upstairs as she told me what she'd said to the police. Oh, I'm sorry, officer. I know it's late, but I have a few of the girls over for cards. We'll keep it down. I laughed and thanked her. My grandma was awesome tonight. Aside from those couple of small infractions. She looked at me and, in a moment of almost tenderness, my grandmother said, Get back down there. You deserve to have some fun with your friends. But she quickly caught herself being nice and added, I wouldn't have thought so many people would like you. Shortly after, the party cleared out anyway. Just me and a couple of my close friends now remained. The next morning, me and my friends surveyed the damage. Tons of empty plastic cups, liquor bottles and beer bottles and cans. Chip crumbs and used napkins all over the place. But that was it, really. We cleaned everything up and gathered up all the empties. I did a very thorough inspection, making sure everything was exactly where it had been. My dad was pretty detail-oriented, and I did not want to get busted. My grandmother didn't help us clean up. Don't worry, she wasn't that cool. But she did drive us to the local beer store to return the empties. Like all grandmas would, I'm sure. The moment my parents got home, my dad carefully inspected everything, searching for any evidence of a party. He hadn't even taken off his coat and he was on his hands and knees looking under furniture, craning to look on top of shelves, flinging open cupboards, surveying the garage, leaving no stone unturned. He found nothing. Grandma and I, who had gathered to welcome them home, shot a relieved glance to each other. We'd gotten away with it. The perfect crime! My parents headed to their room to unpack, and I headed to mine. Relieved, I did a little silent celebratory dance alone in my room. Just then, the phone rang. I thought nothing of it and laid down to rest exhausted from that 30 seconds of dancing. Just as my eyelids began to get heavy and I was about to doze off, my door swung open and there was my dad. He told me he needed to see me and my grandmother upstairs right away. My heart sunk. How did he know? Who had just called? Was it the police? I slowly marched upstairs behind my dad, like a dead man walking. We went to my grandmother's sitting room where her and my mom were sitting silently waiting. My mom didn't look too pleased either. My dad said, I think you both know why we want to talk to you. Without even a moment's hesitation, my grandma chucked me right under the bus saying, I'm sure you're upset. 
I know I was when I came home and found nearly a hundred kids in the house. I tried to get them to leave, but they wouldn't. My parents looked very confused. Though that very quickly turned to rage as they processed my grandma's words. I wanted to talk to you because I thought you'd had a few friends over. But a hundred, my dad screamed. Now my dad did actually lunge at me. But just as he did, my mom grabbed his arm and pulled him back to the couch. He looked shocked. Like he couldn't even formulate, let alone communicate a reaction to this heinous offense. Since my dad was essentially incapacitated, my mom took over. Well, it turns out that my friend's mom had called about some questionable advice my grandma had given to her daughter and a few other girls, adding that my grandma was no longer to be left alone with her child. They hadn't even mentioned, or perhaps known, that this happened at a large, unsanctioned house party. I wasn't outed by my friend or her mom. I had been outed by my grandmother. My parents had still had no idea that I'd had a party. They thought I just had a few friends over. While against the rules they'd laid out, it wasn't a major offense. However, a hundred people? That was a much different story. My grandmother had been so quick to present herself as totally blameless in this situation with no regard for the consequences I would face. She had the nerve to tell my parents that she had been shocked about the party. A party where she had provided fruit floating and booze, encouraged gold digging, and lied to the police. Join me next week for a new tall tale of the old short woman I called Grandma. Next week on From Grandma with Shade, my grandma finds out my biggest secret and has an unfavorable reaction when Grandma finds out. <laughs>